Thank you, Stanley. Our second reading for this morning comes from the New Testament, just one verse out of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 8. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. The word of the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning. If you are visiting today, a special welcome to you. We are in a series of 12 words of hope for the world. Uh, Steve Eason, our interim pastor, is uh, on vacation, probably playing golf. I'm sure he can worship first and then golf later today. Um, and so we, when these words were first decided upon, um, this was a word that I got to, to put a vote in for. Our word for today is compassion. Um, some of you may get the First News Weekly, which is our newsletter that we send out in the email. Um, if you're not receiving that and would like it, please talk to me afterwards and we'll make sure we can sign you up. You can even do it by text. Um, but in that e-news, we write, thanks for listening, which is a letter from the pastor each week. And this week, I shared a story from Stephen So forgive me if you've already read it, but the story comes from the seven habits of highly effective people. And it got me to thinking about compassion in a different way. It reads, he writes, I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one Sunday morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting, with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then, suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing. And yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it, take no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt like was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, Sir, Your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you could control them a little more? 
The man lifted his gaze, as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time. And he said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly, I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I thought differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. Friends, from my point of view, compassion is a central piece of the gospel, is a central piece of Jesus Christ's ministry. As a matter of fact, if we were to remove Jesus' compassion from the text, somehow get in and take it out, I don't think we would be left with much. Compassion is really important to me. I am the associate of pastoral care, and so compassion is, has, is a part, as a huge part of my calling to be an ordained ministry, and it's a part of my everyday work. And I want us today to focus and to remember how central it is to the gospel. Jesus Christ, the one that we call Lord and Savior, is full of compassion. Jesus Christ, the one that we follow and as followers seek to be more like, he is full of compassion. Here's a few places in scripture where we can pick up on this. Scripture tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion for the crowd and he healed their sick. Jesus was moved with compassion because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion by the plight and the tears of the widow of Nain. Jesus had compassion on the blind man. He had compassion on those who had nothing to eat. Those are just a few examples in the text. And you know, the Bible doesn't say Jesus was moved by the grandeur of the great temple buildings. No, it says he was moved by the poor widow who put her last cent into the temple treasury. Compassion. 
or splognexomai in the Greek. Wilson might correct me later because he's taking Greek now. I took it 20 years ago. But this word is derived from the noun splachnon. And here's what splachnon means. Intestines, bowels, entrails of the heart, inward parts, the gut, the viscera, which is where we get the word visceral. Compassion isn't cerebral or intellectual. It's emotional and intuitive. I think the man on the subway in the story that we read, bothered by the rowdy children, and I can certainly identify with him at that moment, but when he learns that their mother has just died, I can almost feel it in my gut, the compassion he must have had in that moment. Compassion. What does it look like for you? What does it feel like? I am pleased to say that we show compassion in our church in at least over 100 different ways. And how do I know this? Because I sat down and made a list. And I got up to 100, and then I stopped. And I probably could have... I can keep on going. But number one on that list, I'm not going to go through all 100 today, just a few. Number one was the members of our care and concern team. And these are members who make regular visits to those who can no longer get to church anymore. One of those members is Sophie Ann White. And her experience stands out to me today. Twice a month, Sophie Ann visits two of our homebound members, two people who have been forever faithful to this congregation, who can no longer come. One who has Alzheimer's and really does not have any words anymore. And most of the time, she sits only with a blank stare. Sophie Ann, twice a month, visits with her. She brings her the news of the church. She reads her scripture. She brings hymns. She tells me she doesn't sing them. She just reads them. She offers prayer. She is present with her. And she lets this long-time faithful member know she is not forgotten. This act is an emotional, intuitive, prayerful act. Compassion. Another one on my list is when I this week was recalling and even talking with some of our members. When our Presbyterian women wanted to reach out to their faithful friend and member, Penny and Billy George. Penny had Alzheimer's, an early um, adult onset. And the members of this congregation weekly, several times a week, went over to visit with Penny and Billy, 
but oftentimes gave Billy an opportunity to go out and do some of the things that he needed to give him some relief from the immense compassion that he was offering his wife. I've talked to some of the members and they said, we really didn't know what to do because this was so unfamiliar for us. But we went and we sat and we sang and we prayed and we were present. This is Christ's presence showing up in people's life, offering compassion. Currently, our deacons are developing a ministry of compassion for this congregation. We are working on creating a prayer team, a health care team, an elder care team, a new member ministry team, and whatever else God might be calling us to. We are working hard to put some systems in place that will allow all of you, members and guests, to practice compassion This has the potential to grow our church to be an even more compassionate place. I ask for your prayers for this transition of our deacons as we create these teams. And I also hope that you will prayerfully pray for your part in this ministry. Are you being called to visit with one of our homebound members or to serve on a prayer team to visit the sick, to bring meals to caregivers, to offer support for funerals. I'm really excited about the opportunities and the chance for you to grow in your faith by serving in this way and for the chance for the church to be steeped in compassion. So how can we cultivate compassion When I was in seminary in Atlanta, Georgia, my New Testament professor wanted us to practice compassion, I think. And so he took us on a field trip. We were studying the Gospel of Mark. And so he led us out of the ivory towers of the beautiful campus at Columbia Seminary, and we went to the Marta which is the subway in Atlanta, Georgia, we got on the MARTA and we went into the city. He took us out of our comfort zone. We read the gospel of Mark on the train just to ourselves. We're good Presbyterians. We weren't, (laughs) you know, reading it and screaming it out, but simply sitting on the train opening our Bible and reading the Gospel of Mark, it was very different. Rather than opening our Bible and reading it in the air-conditioned, beautifully landscaped, gorgeous campus, that is Columbia Theological Seminary, we got on the MARTA. We waited in hot line. We sat or stood on a stinky train, and there weren't even enough seats for all of us. We were next to people we so easily could have never come in contact with. I didn't know their stories, but many looked tired and hot. We went to the center of downtown Atlanta, near the main homeless shelter. And from there, we continued to sit and read the Gospel of Mark. 
I'm going to read you a few verses from the first chapter of Mark. I don't know if you can do this or not, but in your mind, think about hearing this text in the air-conditioned ivory tower on a gorgeous campus or even in this gorgeous sanctuary today. And then think about hearing these words in the middle of downtown Atlanta, surrounded by homeless people. In the Gospel of Mark, it says, That evening at sundown they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. Jumping down a bit. A leper came to Jesus, begging him. And kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus had compassion. Reading this at that time in that city gave me a different perspective, a different gut feeling about what Jesus was about. This has been a hard week for our congregation this week in that two members have died. The Reverend Newton Todd and the beloved Roxy Joins. Newton and Roxy both have been sick over the past few months, but their deaths still come as a shock, and it's hard to believe that they are not here. Not too long ago, both of them were sitting in this sanctuary. They will be missed. They were compassion providers in this congregation. You can't recall Roxy without remembering her beloved Ralph, who we hold up in prayer this day. After 65 years of marriage, he is feeling lost without her right now. Roxy, with her smile and her generous spirit, offered hospitality and love in this church. Newton, a retired Presbyterian pastor, helped me tremendously when I came to this church 10 years ago. At that time, Newton was visiting with our homebound and our sick as we were without a pastor for pastoral care. And when I arrived, he helped me to meet people and to begin my ministry in this church. Because of the love that we share with Roxy and Newton, we feel compassion as a part of our grief, compassion for their loved ones who are missing them this day. We, our compassion might move us to tears. It might move us to send a card, to make a phone call, to stop in for a visit, to be a listening ear, and to remember them in prayer. Let me ask, 
Do you think the world could benefit from some more compassionate people today? Or do you think we're already maxed out? I'm guessing you don't. That could be a nervous laughter, really, there. I'm guessing you will agree with me that there is room for more compassion. When you read the Gospels and see how Jesus was moved, and then you remember that we, as Christians, are called to be like Jesus, what does this look like? How can we cultivate our compassion? Well, I believe we start by showing compassion for ourselves. When we are having a hard time grieving um, in pain in our own lives, we can be gentle and kind and trust and know that we are held in God's hand. I think about the father on that New York subway. He could have just kept his pain to himself. He could have made his children behave. But instead, he shared his pain with a stranger. He was open and, in a way, kind to himself. Compassion starts within. I know that when I am hard with myself, I move more quickly to be hard with someone else. When I show myself a little grace, I am more quick to be gracious with others. We can then practice compassion. Again, thinking about the subway before jumping to judgment about a situation and being critical, we can practice being in someone else's shoes. Who knows? Maybe we can keep in mind the way Jesus showed compassion when we are reading or listening or discussing today's news. Maybe we can swap criticism for compassion. I like that. Swapping criticism for compassion. What if each day we woke up and prayed, God, help me today to swap criticism for compassion? I think my family would like that. We don't know what everyone is carrying. We don't know what is happening in their lives. What if when someone did something, something that we didn't think was acceptable? What if we simply said a prayer? God, you know what is happening here. Give me your compassion. A prayer that I learned that has helped me when I need a quick attitude adjustment is bless them, change me. Bless them, change me. Bless the noisy kids on the subway. Bless the rude man in the store. Bless the man standing on the street corner asking for money. Bless them and change me. Bless your world, O God, and change us. Give me a heart of compassion like you, O God. Empty my critical judgment, my judgmental mind, and open up my closed heart. 
that I might be your hands and feet and ears and voice in a world so desperately needing compassion. Amen.